on TV, online and on your smartphone. This is Ticker News. Hi there, folks. Would you believe there are reports of a new cybercrime every seven minutes in Australia, a figure that continues to rise, and it may be a risk to business. What about governments, though? And are we likely to see cyber warfare take over? In a moment, we'll hear from Australia's Shadow Minister for Cybersecurity. I'm Aaron Young. Let's get started. Now from our headquarters at Ticker Park, this is Ticker Today. And it's great to be with you. Ukraine has suffered a threefold growth in cyber attacks over the past year. One of the country's top cybersecurity officials doubling down on hacks happening at the same time as missile strikes at the hands of Russia. We know these Russian hackers range from highly professional military groups through to criminal gangs. On the other side of the planet, Russian hackers were behind Australia's Medibank scandal. They were accessing sensitive health information, everything from abuse history to abortion data. Have a look. Speaker, last year we had the two biggest cyber attacks in Australian history in Medibank and Optus. And I think the consequences of the cyber slumber that we had been in was laid bare for all to see. There were enormous consequences from those attacks. Literally millions of Australians had data stolen from them, shared in some circumstances. Speaker, it became really clear through those attacks that we had a patchwork of policies, laws and frameworks that simply were not keeping up with the challenges presented by the digital age. All right, so it seems like cyber attacks are on the rise right around the world. So could this be the new way of warfare and a government's ahead of the eight ball when it comes to preventing them? It certainly seems like cyber is the new battlefield, but the slow response from some companies and some governments to arm themselves should have us raising eyebrows about what our data, whether it's up for grabs. For more, let's bring in Shadow Minister for Home Affairs and Cybersecurity, James Patterson. Great to have you here. Do you agree with what the Australian minister says that Australia has been asleep at the wheel when it comes to this. Look, there's a certain amount of political rhetoric in that every new government tries to blame the previous government for all of its ills and tries to destroy their record as a political tactic. But actually, in many respects, Australia has led the world. The critical infrastructure reforms that were passed first in 2018 and then amended in 2021 and 2022 are genuinely world-leading reforms that give Australia's intelligence agencies more powers than any other intelligence agency in the world to help protect domestic networks against cyber attacks. And that was coupled with the record investment in our domestic uh, uh, cybersecurity agency, which is also our international cybersecurity agency, the Australian Signals, Signals Directorate, with a $10 billion investment over 10 years uh, in their capabilities. So look, I think a lot happened on the previous government's watch, but there's no question that there's more that needs to be done. This is a constantly evolving space. We are seeing uh, threats, new threats emerge, uh, new sophisticated ways of getting into our systems to compromise us, and a range of actors involved, not just the criminally motivated who are looking for profit, but state uh, backed uh, actors who are looking to uh, infiltrate, sabotage uh, and engage in espionage on our systems. We in Australia are very focused on the AUKUS partnership as I suppose a really obvious way of building submarines to deal with critical threats. But what about when it comes to cyber? I mean, we've seen in Ukraine, as I mentioned, the attack on critical infrastructure. That has been something that successive governments have been worried about. Do you think it could actually happen in Australia? And how much hope can the, the citizens of Australia have that critical infrastructure like water and power couldn't be taken offline? Mm. 
Ukraine is a lesson for the world. They are fighting a hybrid war, one on the ground and one online. And if there is to be future conflict, including in our own region, in the Indo-Pacific, it's highly likely that the first shots in that war will occur in the cyber domain, not in the physical world. And we have to be prepared for it. It is the rationale for the critical infrastructure reforms passed by the previous government because it imposed a whole lot of obligations on critical infrastructure operators to step up their investment in protecting their own networks and their own systems against these kind of attacks. Because as troubling uh, and as concerning as the data breaches from Optus and Medibank were, um, they will look like a walk in the park compared to a very sophisticated state-backed cyber attack on a critical infrastructure network like a water utility or a power provider or a bank because that could destabilise our entire economy for every Australian. So that really does require very sustained focus investment uh, from both the private sector and the government. Are you concerned about how significant this would be? We hear about Medibank, people hear about their licenses, their passport details. There was the Optus hack as well, despite the fact that Optus has a huge facility designed to try and prevent these sorts of hacks from occurring. Mm. What does the Australian public, the public in general, not know about the significance of what actually is going on out there? I was really concerned by those two data breaches, particularly the one involving Optus, because we would have thought and hoped that a telecommunications provider, in this case, Australia's second largest one, would have had one of the most sophisticated cyber operations in the country and the strongest defences. And yet, if they can fall victim to it, then anyone can fall victim to it. Medibank as well, as a health insurer, has fallen victim to this. Uh, they're a big, reputable uh, stock exchange listed company. And if it can happen to them, we, we have invested in their cybersecurity, then it can happen to anyone. So it is a real reminder for the corporate sector about the important obligations they have to protect their customers' data. But it's also a reminder for us as customers interacting with companies, only provide information that you need to uh, and ask tough questions of your providers about what they're doing with that data. Now, finally, it comes to government. Uh, there are going to be some changes to the Privacy Act that I think are necessary uh, and very appropriate because, unfortunately, it appears that a lot of companies are acting in defiance of their existing obligations under the Privacy Act and keeping customers' data for far too long and far longer than it was necessary for them to for a business purpose, which are actually required to already delete. Yeah, that is a really good point. But do you think governments are any different to some of these big corporations? You mentioned Optus and how, you know, if it can happen to a telecommunic telecommunications company, it could happen to anybody. What about government? What's the difference between business and government when it comes to building a, a barrier between hackers and our data? Well, unfortunately, these vulnerabilities exist in all systems and all networks, and government is not immune from it, and not every government agency and department takes this as seriously as they should. Just imagine instead of Optus, it was the ATO, or instead of Medibank, it was uh, Medicare or uh, Centrelink, who hold extraordinarily personal information on Australian citizens. And imagine if that got out uh, on the dark web and was up for sale, that would be a terrible thing. And I'm not sure all of those agencies and arms of government have invested sufficiently in those issues. In fact, the Auditor General has audited a number of federal government departments in Australia and found that they are not currently compliant with what's called the Essential Eight, which is a list of requirements from uh, the Australian Signals Directorate for basic cyber hygiene and protection. So really a revolution has to happen there and it's not going to be cheap. Australia's always been seen as the deputy sheriff to the United States in the Asia region. During the previous administration, uh, as in the Scott Morrison government, we saw a breakdown in relationships between China and Australia when it comes to trade. Do you think that there is a direct link between the breakdown of diplomatic relationships like with Russia, China and Australia and an increase in cyber warfare on a country like Australia? 
Yes, I think that is part of it. There are a couple of drivers of it. On the criminal side of the spectrum, it's just being driven by a demand to, to make money. And there are people out there who might have used to have been involved in breaking into someone's home to steal their jewellery, who are now just doing it online because, frankly, it's much safer for them to do so. They're much lower risk of getting caught and it can be much more lucrative. They can steal hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars from a victim rather than just, uh, say, a few thousand dollars worth of, of jewellery. Um, that's what's driving the criminal end of the spectrum. On the espionage end of the spectrum where sophisticated state-based operators are involved, one of the reasons for the growth is that um, the pandemic caused Australia, like many other countries, to close its borders for a significant amount of time. So if you wanted to engage in espionage against Australia, then the best way to do it was online because you couldn't get someone into the country to engage in it. But it's continuing to ramp up because we are a highly digitally literate country. We're a highly connected country. The attack surface, uh, so to speak, is getting larger and larger as people start to connect their televisions and their fridges and every other thing in their home uh, to the internet, and that provides opportunities. And of course, yes, the bilateral relationship between Australia and China in particular is one of the sources uh, of their interest in us and their desire to influence our political system. But the most important thing is, even though there appears to be a thawing of relations between Australia and China at the moment, there's no evidence that that has led to any re reduction in cyber attacks. In fact, uh, all evidence points to increased cyber attacks. Just a week ago, our intelligence agencies joined with their Five Eyes partners to publicly attribute an attack on critical infrastructure to a Chinese state-backed uh, entity. Yeah, it's certainly uh, gaining momentum, isn't it? Whichever way you look at it, we are talking today with Senator James Patterson. More ticket news right after this. <laughs> 